Hi, thank you for tuning in to State of the Arts, a podcast where art forms are embraced and artists are celebrated. I'm Lee, your hostess of Ceremonies, and this is episode 66. I'm joined by my guest host this week, Derek Upright, to welcome our guest for this week, Derek's father-in-law, Joel Bernstein, who's a photographer. Uh, he had been practicing law for over 40 years, but he always had been very interested in photography. His daughter, Sherry, remembers countless family vacations where numerous photos were taken. After retiring in 2018, he invested in more advanced equipment. He has a breathtaking portfolio of photographs of New York culture, African wildlife, Antarctic adventures, and much, much more. Welcome to my show, Joel. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Wow, this is just so fascinating. Um, I'd love to start with Antarctica. That's all right with you. I've always been fascinated with Antarctica. It's a fascinating place. It is. Wow. It's otherworldly. What was the uh, voyage like to get there? It was fun, except when the boat was rocking up and down and people were getting seasick. If you remember about, a, a well, for me, a million years ago when I was in high school, uh, the rhyme of the ancient mariner was all about, it all took place in the um, Southern Ocean between the tip of uh, South America or the tip of Africa, depending on where you are, and Antarctica. And you know, we were on that journey, but uh, it was pretty, pretty fascinating. Wow, I heard about that. The Drake Passage is supposed to be the most treacherous in the world. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, except they, 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 they claim that there's times when it is as quiet as a lake and they call it the Drake Lake. Uh, we didn't get to experience that. But uh, oh, no. every now and then you, you talk to somebody that had, you know, had, had a very easy time crossing. About 12 hours to cross that. And at the end, and you wake up and uh, uh, after taking a whole bunch of sleeping medication, because otherwise you're going to be seasick and uh, and you just see this beautiful uh, uh, whiteness and, 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 and the water is so calm and it just it, it's just like uh, uh, and then there's the little penguins or the big whales. How incredible. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the little penguins, you have two stunning pictures hanging on your daughter and son-in-law's wall that I've seen up close of um, a penguin parents because the fathers take as much care of the eggs as the mothers do, from what I understand. Uh, so a parent penguin with an egg. And the I can't tell whether it's a boy or a girl. They didn't, they, they didn't, they, nobody ever told me that when it came to birds. <laughs> well, actually, that's not true. I mean, there's a number of birds that the, the, the ones with the real, you know, bright colored plumage are, are, are generally the males and, and, and the more plain ones are females. But when it comes to a penguin and they're just black and white, yeah. uh, you, don't, you, you can't make that judgment. So, uh, <laughs> They're like Pat from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. 
two penguins that you're talking about are called Gen 2 penguins. Don't ask me how they got their names, but they are different from uh, jackass penguins that live in South Africa. And they're different from chinstrap penguins, which uh, uh, have what look like chin straps around them and, uh, uh, and little helmets. And uh, there's, there's a bunch of different species and I don't understand how I actually learned to distinguish some of them, but I did. And, uh, and they're, they're, they're fascinating. You picked up a lot when, because you have to label your photographs. So that's how you get all this well, information. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's, uh, uh, that's true to, uh, to an extent, uh, although you don't worry about the labels until you get home and they, we, we actually had lectures, I mean, uh, while we were there and uh, uh, they'd show you, okay, this is a colony of Gen 2s. Now the Gen 2s have a white spot up here, but the chin straps, you know, have sort of like a smile painted on their faces and uh, so it, 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 it's pretty cool. But, um, uh, but, but the two photographs that you're uh, talking about um, are really fascinating um, because what you see is a penguin sitting on, on a nest. And if you think about what you learn when you're you know, a little kid, you know, birds go out and they get leaves and sticks and twigs and all sorts of vegetation and they lay them down and they create an interwoven mess of uh, a nest. Uh, and then the egg goes in the middle of the nest. Well, in Antarctica, there is very little vegetation, virtually none because it's so frozen. And where do they lay their eggs? They lay their eggs on rocks. And um, one of the images that you see there, uh, and again, you can't tell whether it's the father or the mother that's sitting on the egg, nor whether the, the, it's the father or the mother doing the work because they take turns, but one of them is bringing a very small rock to the nest where the other one is sitting and until the egg hatches. And uh, you watch these guys, and they sort of waddle up and down all around and they pick up a rock. They could pick up that, they could probably hold five or six rocks at a time, but they pick up a small rock and then they go on their little happy way uh, down the road and uh, come to the nest and they drop a rock right where they want it to be. And then they turn around and they waddle back and they pick up another one. And, uh, and this is a process that could take days to build a nest. The waddler <laughs> with the rock in his mouth. Uh, and then you see the other one, which just shows the, uh, uh, I'm just gonna assume it's the mother, you know, uh, who is sitting on the nest, bending over and sort of kissing the egg that has not yet hatched. And it's just fascinating that stuff like that happens, fascinating looking at that, uh, that life, uh, thinking of birds the way we see them, you know, through most of the earth, I think, you know, different sizes, different colors, different shapes, but for the most part, 
flying or walking, whichever they feel like doing. And here you have uh, birds that waddle like ducks and carry rocks. Yes, that's, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful and adorable. It's like nature, you know, live nature. And you got to capture that on camera, which is amazing. That's probably what attracted me to photography, not necessarily the, uh, the penguins individually, but just seeing things that I've never seen before. Uh, maybe in a movie, you know, maybe in a book, but, uh, but to see it up close and say, wow, and look at that. And I wanna capture that, you know, to put on my wall, that's my souvenir. You know, uh, uh, they used to have big game hunting. Uh, and I think sometimes of the camera as, uh, as a tool for hunting, the difference being we don't kill anybody or anything. We just hunt it and get this magnificent image to be able to show the world and go out and hunt for something else. And nobody, whether it's a lion, a rhino, or a, uh, or, or a penguin, it doesn't matter. Nobody's stuffing them. Nobody's putting yeah. their head up on the wall except in a photograph. Yeah, you're shooting them just in a different way. That's exactly right. That, that's I like so that. <laughs> How many countries have you been to? I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know, count? You know I don't say if, if I had to try to count, it would uh, it would be a difficult count. I mean, upwards of twenty, I'm sure. Uh, whether it's upwards of that, I, you know. Antarctica is not a country, and uh, uh, but it's bigger than than than, than most countries on, on Earth. So uh, uh, I don't even know what what counts anymore. And uh, have you I, been on all seven continents? Yeah. Uh, yes, we've been on all seven continents. Cool. The last trip that we went on before the pandemic. Well, it ended at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, but that was uh, that was the seventh continent. That was where we hadn't been. Uh, so we went to Australia and New Zealand, and uh, uh, and, and and that made all seven. And the picture of the iceberg was that from Antarctica as well. Uh, that is an Antarctic iceberg. Yes, we saw. Uh, icebergs in the Antarctic Ocean, the Southern Ocean, and we also uh, saw icebergs inside the Arctic Circle, which is, you know, one's top, one's bottom. Uh, but we were always standing right side up anyway. Yeah, the, the, that, that, the, the one that you're just talking about is an, is an Antarctica. I happen to think that the, um, that, the, that the icebergs in the Northern part of the world they're all gigantic, but they uh, they kind of come in more different and varied shapes. But I don't know whether that's a rule or not. That's just what I've seen. Uh, <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah. And there's this beautiful picture you have of a valley. That long stretch of mountains is in New Zealand, and. Uh, 
Uh, that's a stretch of mountains that's heading out towards uh, the ocean uh, in the distance. So interesting. It looks desert-like. And, and, and a lot of a, a lot of mountainous areas do look desert-like. Uh, it, it's one of the things about shooting in black and white. It's more about the different shapes of things and the different textures of things rather than the color. Uh, and uh, uh, that could have been an area of very, very short grass that was all one color and some, some darker rocks on the top of it, uh, but it gives the appearance, you, 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 you called it as a desert, uh, which is fine, you know, but, but in, in, when, you, when you shoot in black and white, you're looking at the shapes and you're looking at the textures uh, much uh, w w without seeing color in it. It's, it's almost a, a great equalizer to, to, to deal with things in black and white and say, you know, boy, you know, you can see things that you don't see when you're looking at the same thing in color. So you prefer black and white over color? I, I wouldn't say that I prefer it. It's different. It's different. And, uh, and your whole life is living in color. Black and white is strange when compared to that, uh, even though that's really where photography started was all, all in black and white. They didn't have color and we didn't have color TVs and, uh, and movies were all in black and white. So, so there was a lot that people saw and learned about in black and white. And now uh, our light lives have changed and topsy-turvy uh, and everything's in color, but I like to, I like to look at things both ways and then I decide which way I'd rather put it up on a wall. And I have plenty of color pictures up on the wall, but I have plenty of black and white also. And uh, when, when we started talking about putting together a small grouping of uh, photographs, I thought that it would be interesting to put together a grouping that was, uh, that was all in black and white. They, they tell different kinds of stories. Uh, like I have, uh, uh, which you can see, a, 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 a photograph of a dragonfly on the top of a group of flowers. Yes. And it's all in black and white and dragonflies are very beautiful uh, animals and, and, and very colorful animals. But here you can see the way the wings spread out uh, and you have this, um, uh, it's all being framed by uh, leaves from trees in the distance that are all blurred. Uh, with some sun coming through the, uh, uh, the patch. You can't tell what it is, but you've got these one stem of flowers and a dragonfly sitting very still on the top of it. And you can see that its wings are kind of transparent. You can see right through them uh, at the ends. Uh, as they get closer to the body, they, 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 they take on color. Uh, and uh, my guess is that that is either a blue, a dark blue, or maybe a dark green. Uh, 
picture was taken like five or six years ago, and I really don't remember what uh, uh, what it was up front and close, but uh, but it, it it's something totally different when you see it in black and white. And where did you take this picture? Backyard. Oh, your backyard! Wow, incredible. I. I... I don't know. I pictured some exotic African. <laughs> you know, it, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. They, it, well, I, I and I dare say, if I if I took the picture in color and they looked like uh, garden garden flowers, as opposed to something which is what they were, you know, as opposed to something in the wild. Uh, whether you'd know it's a backyard or think, gee, that could be in Central Park or, you know, uh, uh, someplace else, you, you would never come, you would never have a feeling of it being in Africa if the colors were more apparent right. than they are from this. But the thing, the thing that attracted me to this, actually, uh, when, when you look at the wings, uh, you see a number of, tr of triangles, or you can, the wings come out in, uh, uh, and spread from each other, one wing in each direction, and you have an imaginary line that goes across the base, and you've got, uh, you've got triangles, and you've got uh, one, two, three, four, five. I, 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 I would count five triangles just talking about the... Uh, uh, the dragonfly itself, and a bunch of different triangles inside in, in the plant, a triangle uh, framing the dragonfly, a triangle of light, and, and that's, uh, that's something I see a lot. And when I see a triangle in nature, uh, I think it's a pretty interesting kind of thing, and I try to pick that up also. If you submitted any of these to contests or magazines no <laughs> no doing that. It's just... Just, no, just it's my own experience uh, that, that, that's what i would say i, I don't know if i consider it oh, yeah. entertainment or not but it's an experience and a hobby. Uh, yeah well it's a hobby and it's, and it's an experience and uh, uh i think that i learn a little bit about the world that way it's a beautiful way to learn about the world. And you've taken a lot of pictures too in your own city. So, and there's this picture of a fence in Manhattan. Is that Manhattan? That's Manhattan. That's, uh, uh, that is right. Uh, I think it's about a block from Lincoln Center. Broadway in that area has a bit of a mall uh, there's uptown and downtown traffic and, and there's a bit of a mall and that fence is in the middle of the mall in the center of the road uh, and, uh, uh, and, and, and I don't know, the sun hit it so that you, uh, you know, had very, very strong shadows. You got this very strong black wrought iron fence um and very strong shadows from the sun on 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 the right side of it but the thing that that that, that was really fascinating um if you look at it this is broadway near lincoln center this is one of the most heavily populated roads in the world 
this is, you know, it's not quite Times Square, but you can't walk down this street without bumping into a lot of people and it's empty. And the reason why it's empty in the middle of the daytime is because it was right smack in the middle of the pandemic. And there was nobody on the streets. There's no cars in the street. You could see a, 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 a little bit of a person walking in the middle of the street, just strolling down. There's no cars, there's no people, there's no taxis, there's no buses. It's the, the pandemic, it emptied out in New York City. Yes. For quite a while. Well, that gives you an opportunity to take a lot of photographs that you wouldn't normally be able to take. Oh, that's for sure, yeah, yeah. And the reason why it's in there like that is because you take a look and contrast that with a picture that of, of mountains in New Zealand or a gigantic iceberg. These are places that you expect to be empty except for these shapes that you've got or an occasional small little animal. It looks like the pandemic was like a great equalizer uh, and, 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 and just changing the way the world works, which it did. Yes, and the animals took back the world, the environment, well, do you have any future travel plans? Uh, I have travel plans all the time. Unfortunately, in the last couple of years, we've, you know, <laughs> we've made them and canceled them. And every now and then we get to go someplace uh, uh, for a short period of time. But traveling now is very difficult. And I'm trying to do more national parks and stay closer to home. Uh, you know, been all shot, all the shots, all the boosters, all everything, but still somewhere or other worried if I travel too far from what I consider to be civilization, you know, what might happen. And uh, uh, so, so I, I think of all these places to go to, but there's a bit of fear that sets in and, uh, and even even going to to, to 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 a national park in the United States, I mean, you're in the middle of civilization, but it's still a wilderness, and it doesn't feel the same. And uh, uh, and then you're getting on airplanes, and you know, there's always somebody that's coughing on the airplane, and you know, sometimes it could even be me that's coughing on the airplane. And uh -huh. you know, I I don't think I have any germs, but you know, but not everybody else is going to think the same thing of me when I cough. So it, it, it's it's a very strange feeling to travel right now. Yeah, it is. It's best to keep it local. Yeah, I, well, I'm not sure whether that's best or not, you know, but that's what we're doing. That's that, that, that's that's what that's what we're doing. Well, what countries, uh, what places would you like to see in the future? I've canceled about four or five trips to Death Valley in the last couple of years. Uh, I always wanted to go to Death Valley. Uh, it's the hottest, I think it's the hottest place in the world. It's the hottest place definitely in this country. And it's a fascinating place. And uh, uh, I've always wanted to go there. And 
maybe I'll get there, maybe I won't. I mean, it, it, it seems to me that it would be a pretty bad place to get sick in. Uh, he you know, when, when we worry about stuff like that. When he travels, he has a huge backpack full of camera equipment. It weighs like a ton and he brings us wherever he goes. That's great. You need all that room to keep that equipment. It's debatable whether whether I should just take that or take an iPhone and forget about it. But uh, but but um, yeah, I, I, it's it's part part of the hobby. It's something to think about. How do I, you know, wh what can I do with this that I can't just do point you know pointing a, uh, my telephone at something and 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 and, and what can I do? you know, to make this really stand out and show and be something that uh, somebody might ask a question about or uh, uh, be interested in. I'm sure your home must be surrounded with pictures on the walls from all your travels. Yeah, we got a few. We got a few. What's your uh, favorite one? Or is that hard to... I don't have a favorite one. I get uh some of them I, I get tired actually my favorite my my favorite photographs are family photographs oh oh that's nice yeah that, that that's actually uh uh when i started buying camera equipment uh what went through my head was that i would go someplace and i take a photograph of you know of, of somebody in my family and the color wouldn't come out right or the, or the shading wouldn't be right. They, 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 there was always something that didn't look right with it. And I didn't understand why. And I wanted to figure that out. And, uh, uh, and that's when I started teaching myself how to be a little bit of a photographer. And then after that, I started to travel, you know, to more and more varied different places, started figuring out how to use what I had learned, taking pictures of family, take pictures of penguins or icebergs or whatever it is. I mean, the, the, the photographic uh, uh, concepts are very much the same. Uh, Sure, the focusing and the angles, all of that. Yeah. Lighting, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we don't have much time left. Is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners before we sign off? Anybody that would sit there and choose to listen to me uh, go on about anything for a half hour, thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, that, that, that just feels like a feather in my cap. And uh, uh, so that's what I would say to, to listeners. That's what I'd say to you. And thank you for uh, asking me to do this. And uh, there we are. Thank you so much, Joel, for joining me. It has been so amazing. And this episode has been so informative. And it's actually a topic that I have always been very, very fascinated by. Travel and nature and photography, all of that. It's just mm -hmm. kind of so interesting. So this has been such a treat. And thank you, Derek, for co-hosting. And Sherry, I know you're there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
And I want to wish all you listeners a beautiful day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of State of the Arts. Remember to stay true to your dreams, be positive, and be safe out there. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you.